firecrackers, it's Naomi, and welcome to the firecracker department. Welcome to 2022. Picture me, I'm sitting, I haven't got my usual setup, so usually I have like a mic stand and, you know, a couple of the things that you need for a podcast to sound profesh. But I don't have my mic stand, so I've got my microphone in my hand. Like, I don't know, like I should be sitting on a stool or like, oh, one of those cozy leather chairs in front of the fireplace sipping brandy and having a little fireside chat with you all. But instead, I'm in my bedroom. It's super cold. I'm staring out into an equally cold day in Toronto, Canada, and thinking, what do I say? What do I say to this community to launch us into 2022? Last year, let's see, the first year of the pandemic, I think was hard. <laughs> I don't think I'm telling you anything new. It was tough, we were all adjusting. Um, my mom passed away, my dad passed away. I was dealing with that. But then 2021, gosh, it really kicked me in the butt. It, the aftermath of my parents' deaths and then just dealing with all the navigation around the grief and the navigation around the new world that I needed to live in and it was tough I'm not gonna lie I had goals that did not get achieved I had victories that I did not see coming and I'll have those probably again this year I'll still set goals. I'll still have dreams. It's disappointing sometimes, you know, when you look back and go, oh, I didn't do the things I wanted to do. And I'm going to have to let myself off the hook and go, that's just life. Because I did have victories of other kinds. And I'm a half full kind of person, so I'm going to see my world that way. But I'll also see the disappointment. You know that I didn't book the things I wanted to book. I didn't advance my career maybe in the way that I wanted to. But I don't think I've had a year that I have felt as loved by my friends as I have this past year. So that kind of trumps it all. Nothing else really matters if I get to have people that uh, make a difference in my life. That's all I really need. And you're part of it. You for listening, for being part of Firecrack Department, for encouraging me with uh, comments or encouraging the Firecrack Department community with your positivity, it does not go unnoticed. You know, sometimes the social media, we get so wrapped up into likes and shares and comments and things like that. But for me, it does not go unnoticed when I feel your support and it really does make a difference. So maybe I didn't achieve the things I wanted to achieve in my career, but boy, I felt big, big love that came my way. And I am infinitely grateful. I'm the kind of person that, you know, I'm independent and I can do it all. I don't need anyone, I can just do it all. But then last year, I really did need people. I needed people more than I think I've ever needed people before. And uh, people stepped up and that was extraordinary. So thank you. Thank you every single one of you who stepped up in any big or small way. It really did make a difference in my life and in the firecracker department. Don't think for a second that uh, it doesn't matter, because it does. So here we are, 2022, and what's in store? I don't do resolutions. I like to dream about what the year has in store for us. And uh, as a community, the core folks, they're working so hard. We've got some amazing things coming your way this year that people are pouring their hearts into. And again, these events that we do, 
We're not doing them just like, oh, this will be a fun event. Every single person that's doing an event feels like this is super important, and it is. So they are not done without a lot of purposeful thought behind it. I do write down my dreams and my goals. Do you do that? I just watched Tick, Tick, Boom. I mean, if you need something to light a little fire under your butt to get you creating this year, that's the movie for you. And then I followed it. Here's a great double whammy with the Tina Turner documentary. Oh my gosh. If you're feeling like, I don't know, sometimes what I feel is the what's it all about Alfie feeling. <laughs> but if you're feeling that way, get into those movies and I guarantee you, you'll get some fire. And that's the fire that I want this year for me. I want to create. I want to perform. I want to create something that I can share with you all because I feel like I have something important to share through my comedy, through my storytelling, and I think you all do too. I mean, I see what you're doing. I see the creations that people do on our various platforms, and it's incredible. It blows my mind, and it's a constant source of inspiration. And here's the thing. You know, I was thinking 2022, I should probably have some sort of advice. It doesn't feel like that should be something I do, but I should have something to say. And here's something that I wrote on our Facebook community page. I have to say, just keep going. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in you and I think you can do it, but just keep going. Nobody's gonna do the thing for you. No one's gonna write the second draft. No one's gonna do your self tape. No one's gonna pitch that show. No one's gonna do the things for you to achieve your dreams and goals. They just aren't. So, so I'm not gonna give you advice of whether to turn left or right, whether to advance forward or backwards, whether to buy the red shirt or the green shirt. I, I'm not gonna give that kind of advice. I'm just gonna say keep going and you got this. And when you doubt that you have it, take a breath, look at your past, look at all the great things you've done and know that you can keep going and know that you will, you will keep going. So that's what I have to say. 2022, the year of just keep going. And I believe in you, I do. As I said, we have some amazing, amazing stuff in store for you from Firecracker Department. I really encourage you to grab our newsletter so you can keep in touch with all the things coming your way. I encourage you to share our newsletter, to share our podcast and get others involved or get yourself involved. We'd love to have you along for the ride in some capacity. I have to give a huge Firecracker shout out, some sort of hug. I'm, I'm hugging the air right now. <laughs> I don't have the fire in the background or anything like that, but I am hugging the air because that's for all the core members, past, present, and future of the firecracker department. Because here's the thing, this isn't possible, right? None of this is possible alone. Even if you wrote a one person show, somebody's going to have to turn the lights on for you. You know, it's all something that you have to find your people and gain strength and gain energy and gain love and humor and all those things to propel you to the next step. And so Firecracker Department is possible because of our amazing core. And that's the actioneers, Winnie, AJ, Veronica, Kathleen, Powell, who put their hearts and their smarts right into this journey because they believe in it and they believe in you and believe in providing platforms for more women and non-binary artists so that we can have our stories and our voices heard. That's what's important. And then the whole of the core firecracker department works so hard. There's people that have joined the firecracker department and have offered a little bit of advice and then got super busy and had to step away and they made a difference along the journey. There's people that came along for a month 
and there's people that have been there from the beginning and I have to say everybody plays a part you're playing a part by listening to this you're playing a part by sharing this everybody has a part in the firefighter department journey and we're better off for it okay the sun is dimming it's only four o'clock in the afternoon but I am sitting here as I said holding my microphone like I'm giving some sort of fireside chat and um, I'm gonna pass it on. I'm gonna pass it on to something we're gonna be doing regularly, which is hearing from the voices of our core department. I'm always game to have their voices, their stories, their images, their personalities as part of what you see because there's so much going on in firecracker department world that you have to know all the people that are putting it together. It's extraordinary. So this is something we're gonna be doing more of and I'd love your feedback on it. I know you're gonna say it's great because our core members are great. So here we go with a very special message from one of our very special, beloved, beloved core members. Oh my gosh, she does not fail to make me laugh every single meeting, every single meeting, every single time I hang out with her. If you've done any of her meditations, you know who I'm talking about. She is a delight, she is light, she is love. And this is Emily Churchill from the wellness department. Hi, this is Emily from the wellness department and also letshealthisshit.com. And I'm here to tell you a little bit about my Lunar New Year celebration, which is happening on February 1st at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I've been doing this workshop for several years and each year I get so excited because I'm able to map out the astrological events, the big ones, um, throughout 2022. And I do see 2022 being a bit easier, at least in the astrological landscape. So hopefully we all get a, a breath of fresh air for 2022 and i'm also giving the firecracker community a ten dollar discount uh with a discount code fire up all one word um and please come on out and join me and this is all through my own website of let's heal this shit.com please follow me on instagram at let's heal this shit and visit me at any time at let's heal this shit.com thanks so much oh thank you emily see what i mean you can't not be swept up into the magic of Emily Churchill just by listening to her. So thank you, Emily. And now head over, head on over to register for the Lunar New Year celebration. Anytime I get a chance to do one of Emily's workshops, not only are they fun, but they're insightful. My heart is filled up. I usually meet somebody new that is fantastic. I guarantee you that you will not, you will not be disappointed. Also, oh, I love this. We have our fantastic Firecracker Department mini wellness moments the first Sunday of every month. They're the best at 12 p.m. Pacific time or 3 p.m. Eastern time. And they are live, live on Facebook and Instagram and recorded. So if it doesn't work out with your schedule, you can still catch them. I just feel like, you know, they are exactly what you need and I need to spark the start of the month. So enjoy. All right, now there is no better way, no better way to start the year than with our guest on this episode. This week is singer, songwriter, artist, director, producer, one of Canada's most distinguished filmmakers and member of the Abinaki Nation, Alanis Obamsawin. Now, I first met Alanis on our Toronto International Film Festival red carpet last year in 2021. Her film, Honor to Senator Murray Sinclair, was making its world premiere at TIFF. This documentary, oh my gosh, shares so many powerful moments. There is an incredible speech by Senator Sinclair, 
when he accepted the WFM Canada World Peace Award, and it's interspersed with the just heartbreaking testimonies from former students imprisoned at residential schools. I saw Honor to Senator Murray Sinclair, and it's one of those beautiful movies where you get immersed into it, so you feel the journey that these people are on. Obviously not to the extent that they are, but you can feel it. And you can also feel the strength that these people from the residential schools had to have, were forced to find in order to keep going. And the bravery to face what they had to face and to keep going through it all is extraordinary. And also, I have to say, at TIFF, there was this incredible career retrospective called Celebrating Alanis. And so you got Alanis in so many different ways this past year, and she's extraordinary. Honor to Senator Murray Sinclair is her 53rd film. 53rd film. Soak that in. In her legendary career, this spans over 54 years. I mean, that means she probably did more than one a year, unless she was making movies when she was absolutely born, which could be possible if you know Alanis at all. We're gonna do something we don't normally do, which is intersperse the TIFF red carpet interview with my full interview with Alanis. We don't normally do it. It takes a lot of extra editing power from our podcast production team, so big thanks to Shane and Winnie for this extra touch. I was just curious about how it all began, like what was the spark that ignited this amazing artistry. Here's what Alanis said on the red carpet that gives you just a little bit more insight. I don't know if I thought like that, you know, like it was, I didn't know anything about filmmaking really, but I was fighting um, the educational system that was, I, I thought, criminal towards our people for so many generations. And that was my main move. Mm -hmm. And uh, in those days, I, did, I wasn't thinking of making films, but I wanted to, I wanted the children to hear a, a different story. Mm -hmm. And so I, my only way of uh, doing it was I have to tell stories to children and I have to go to the classroom. And that's how I started. And I did uh, hundreds of uh, visits to many, many uh, schools of all grade, whether it's from kindergarten to university mm -hmm. over the years. In the 60s, I was doing a campaign to build a swimming pool in my community because our children were not welcome mm. to the next door town right. in their pool. And so there was a lot of publicity and uh, CBC made a film about what I was doing. So it came from there. Producers at the film board saw it and they invited me to come here at the board and um, talk to them and tell them stories the same way I do with children, <laughs> which you know was easy for me. Right. And that's how it started. And when I saw they had a studio at the time, a multimedia studio, and everything they were doing there was for classroom. Yeah. And I was so excited. And that's how I started. And it was just so perfect. And, and I learned how to do it at the same time. And it was just, uh, I never knew of how strong images could be and uh, film could be, because I really didn't know anything about filmmaking. So right. to, to see the history of our people being told directly in the classroom by us was, oh, yeah, I was, I cannot tell you. I still feel the same way. And this began Elenice's illustrious career that chronicles the lives and concerns of First Nations people and exploring issues of importance to all. With these Indigenous stories, I, 
Of course, I wondered how she was able to turn them into hope. So here's a little more from the red carpet. Yeah, it's very easy. And for me, it's not even hope. It's much more profound than hope because we're living a very different time now. And the changes that have occurred, I am so thankful that I've lived this long to see the difference mm -hmm. because it wasn't like that in my time as a young person at all. So you see that everything is possible. And uh, I think in general, uh, Canadians uh, have changed themselves too. They want to hear. And I think in general, they want justice to be done to our people because there's a lot of um, things that, yeah, of course they never knew and didn't want to know either. So. Mm -hmm. Now it's very different. And yeah. I think, my God, am I ever lucky to have lived this long time to see and know that our young people who want to become, you know, we're talking about filmmaking here. This is, the, if ever the doors were open, it's now. And everything is possible. Mm -hmm. So yeah. as long, for me, as long as you look into your heart and find out what your gift is and what you want to do, whether it's filmmaking or any discipline you can think of, mm -hmm. be honest and just say it's possible and I'm going to do it and you're going to do it. That's it. And of course, this leads me to where her storytelling came from. I was raised in it. You know, when I was a young child in my community, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have running water. We had an earth road. And uh, at night, what do you think happened? It was the oil lamps and adults were talking. And at that time, the men uh, in our community, most of them were guides in the bush for hunting and fishing. And uh, so they had so many stories. And what interests me most, and not just me, but all the children, is their encounters with different animals and the stories. And the animals were always involved and they had their own character just like human mm -hmm. and you know we were and this listening comes from there because myself and my cousin would be listening to a, a story they were telling but because there's no image it was our imagination that made the image from hearing the sound right. so if you had three four children listening you had three four films right there because the imagination varied from me to my cousin and thinking about it differently and as the word for me is sacred. Mm. So as I grew older and everything I did, I was always listening. So when I came into filmmaking, first I had to listen, no, no camera. Mm. So I used to, at, even at the beginning, just hear, just with sound, do my own sound with uh, ever who's going to be, who I think is going to be in the film. And I learned so much and I still feel the same way now because, uh, the danger is if you don't do that, I think you wanting to hear something and you're questioning just that and uh, not um, because of perhaps a story you want to tell. Not, nothing wrong with that either, but it's very different if you listen and let the, the person itself tell you what the story is. And mm -hmm. that's where it comes from that you study what this person is saying. Do you understand the story? And sometimes you know, I go back because I have to hear more. And it comes from there. Mm -hmm. And I still work like that. Sometimes you have no choice because you, some films I made, you got to rush in and you do your shooting right there because some terrible thing is, is happening. They call that uh, guerrilla filmmaking. But you know, after I go back to my beginning, 
I go back to see the people that we have filmed and then to see how they feel and what, the, you know, about the, the stories. I, I, I work uh, upside down, if I could say this. Mm -hmm. But uh, hearing is, I think, the best present you can give to people that you're going to yeah. uh, have them tell a story is time. And time is precious. So you have to be loving it and hearing it and hearing it. And uh, that's how it is. The art of listening is such an important gift that is shown in Alanis's projects. Like a 2019 production, Jordan River Anderson, The Messenger is a seven film cycle devoted to the rights of indigenous children and peoples, which began in 2011 when she conducted her first interviews for the people of Katawapiskak River. Alanis's other films include Ganesitage, 270 Years of Resistance, that documents the 1990 Mohawk uprising in Ganesitake and Oka as well as her groundbreaking incident at Restigouche, a behind-the-scenes look at Quebec police raids on the Mi'kmaq Reserve. I mean, this is only just to name a few, a few of the projects out of Alanis's 53. And she has been recognized time and time again. She was recognized with leadership in creating a union between social impact and cinema with TIFF's 2021 Jeff Skoll Award in Impact Media. And then in 2020, Alanis received the Rogers Doc Luminary Award at the Doc Institute Honours, given to an individual who embodies the creative spirit of the Canadian documentary tradition and displays generosity by supporting the next generation of documentary makers through mentorship. She also received the Glenn Gould Prize, which is presented once every two years to recognize a unique lifetime contribution that has enriched the human condition through the arts. 2020 was a great year for Alanis. She was also honored at the Gala Quebec Cinema with the Iris Homage, awarded to artists who had an exemplary career, whose work had contributed significantly to the influence of Quebec cinema. And of course, with all these accolades and films, I my sneakers brain, I'm wondering on the red carpet about advice that maybe Adelanise would have given a younger self about how to make a documentary. You know, what was she doing when she started versus what she's doing now? Well, it's pretty simple. I would say go, go somewhere or hear somebody, especially when we're talking about elderly people. They're like a book you're reading, and if they die and you don't let them talk, you lost a lot of history right there. And it's really to appreciate one's life and how they survive in, in their country with such uh, hostility mm -hmm. from the people who were here in every aspect. Yeah. So I'm always fascinated by that. People are just so smart to when things can be very bad, like, like you look at the gen generosity of each individual and finding and how they survive at periods of time that were very painful in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I just find that so interesting. But you're, you're infinitely curious. Yes, and I'm, I always come out of uh, those places and, in homes from different people in different community feeling that's not poverty because it's rich you know for me i say poverty do you do you remember when being poor was not poor right because you as a poor person did incredible things to have a good life 
is uh, not to be uh, ignored. It's, it's, it's magnificent. Now for our firecrackers in Berlin, you're welcome. There will be a retrospective. The children have to hear another story. Alanis Obamswim, which will be presented at the Haus der Kulturen der Welt in Berlin in conjunction with the publication Lifework, Alanis Obamswim. This is all happening from January 23rd to April 18, 2022. So we've got you. There's a lot going on for Alanis, but I know that you're going to want to soak in some more Alanis after you hear my chat with her. We've got you in the show notes with all the links. I just have to say it was just a treat from the moment that I saw Alanis on the TIFF red carpet. I just knew, I was like, oh, I need to spend more time. We had such limited time, but I was like, I need more. I need more Alanis in my life. And that's why I was so happy, so grateful that she was able to spare some time for us. I know you're going to love this. I just know it. I know it because I did. So maybe we're the same person. All right, here we go. Here's my chat with the one and only, the legend, Alanis Obamswim. So we spoke at TIFF, you and I, and you know, those red carpet type interviews, they're so quick. And I knew, I knew like 30 seconds after meeting you, I was like, oh, we need to spend more time speaking. So I'm so happy that we can have a longer discussion. I've rewatched the chat that we had and there were so many things that I was like, oh, I wish I had more time to, to find out more. Can you describe a little bit to me your, I don't know, your childhood? I feel like you might be one of those people that ever since you were a little girl, uh, you had an old soul. Did people say that to you a lot? But uh, it's not very uh, beautiful or interesting, my young life, because I was at a time when it was very difficult. It was really uh, full of uh, embarrassment and uh, threatening. If I think of that time, it's humiliation and threatening all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, somehow I I, uh, figure out a way of surviving it, which I did. Yeah. And uh, it's all right, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I could see that just based on your storytelling, you have 50 years as a storyteller. So, you know, um, like the Senator Murray Sinclair said, to know truth, you must start by telling it. So you must have known your truth early to be able to tell your stories. Were you always a storyteller, even as a child? Oh, yes. Not just me. It was really a way of being in the community. At that time, it was uh, very different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. In those days, we didn't have um, electricity and we didn't have running water. We had a well mm-hmm. and we had oil lamps. At night, as often you sat in the, around in the kitchen and adults spoke. And uh, mm-hmm. the men were, in, in general, in the fall time, all the men would uh, leave to go guiding for hunting and fishing in one okay. particular area. And um, so there was a lot of storytelling and most of them were experienced of reaction about certain animals and we just loved it. Yeah. Like animals had their own history and a connection just like humans. 
so uh, that part I think has helped me a lot in those days, especially when I was sleeping, because I had a whole world there. Nobody could beat me, and right. I had all these animals who were my friends, and they right. talked to me, and they protected yes. me. So it comes from there. You know, I was uh, really very lucky. Yeah, you were born with a little magic DNA, it sounds like. I was born during an eclipse. Is that right? Yes, in 1932. Well, that's magic. Exactly when the eclipse occur. My mother said that about uh, quarter to six, the, the light totally disappeared, became dark, just like the middle of the night. And that no was the eclipse, and uh, that's when I was born. So did your whole community look at you and just recognize that you had something a bit magical about you? I don't think they saw me that way, really, because I was kind of an outcast. But first of all, I never eat meat or fish. All the people used to point at me and say, she's going to die younger because she won't eat meat or fish. Right. So, you know, already I was um, not doing what everybody else was doing. But I... I uh, had a chance to to hear the language because in those days a lot of our people were speaking the language. My mother spoke Wabanaki very, very well. She spoke three languages and uh, many people spoke three languages in those days. So uh, the language had uh, a life, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could hear it every day in people's home. But in school, if you dare speak your language, you were punished. Because he would say, your language is Satan's language. I heard this all my young life. So uh, it was not good. You talk about embarrassment and shame and, uh, and rage for, for what the indigenous community went through in the schools. And I only see you as somebody that has hope. And so how do you turn that? People deal with trauma all the time. How do you, how, what advice do you have for turning that into hope? It's because I am positive and I know about uh, our own culture and our own way of thinking and being that is good. Contrary mm -hmm. to what we were told, that our people were bad, ugly, and uh, the language was bad. No, you're not allowed to speak your language. And the, the, when I realized that those books that they used for many generations to teach the history of our country was more than racist it was terrible i think it was criminal because yeah. it was teaching young children to hate us by saying that we had no culture we not that language was bad we uh, were um, morons and didn't have any religion you sit in the classroom and that's what you hear mm -hmm. how do you think other children look at you what they think of you so I realized that it was like uh, very well designed and organized to make our people look invisible and uh, that they had no value and, and all those things. But when you're in it, you don't understand. Yeah. You're just being picked down all the time and uh, made to feel you, you don't exist. Mm -hmm. Took me a little while, but I figured it out. And... Uh, 
I went How to old were you when you figured it out? I feel like you, you must have figured this out early. I mean, I'm just figuring out stuff like that now. So how old were you when you figured that out? I was 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. That's when my father died and I was very, very uh, disturbed, upset. And I decided nobody's going to beat me anymore. I decided that, but those who beat you, they want, still want to do it. So, you know, I had quite a, figured out a way of doing it. Is that when you realized you had a place in, um, in, in fighting for the injustices in the world? I know you've worked with a lot of children and storytelling and, and yeah. at 12, did you realize that you had to tell your stories to fight injustices? At 12, I knew that it was unjust what was happening to me. And I was already thinking, I don't want other children to be treated like that. So I thought there should be different books. There should be different story to tell the children about us. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I figured at that time. I could sing and I knew my history. And uh, I ended up uh, working until now. <laughs> mm -hmm. You haven't stopped working. No. There's no time. <laughs> Was there a time that you needed to take a breath? Because I feel like the amount of work that you do for not only your community, for our community, to, to help balance, to help raise awareness, it's constant. You can't take your foot off the pedal, as they say. Was there ever a time that you were like, I got to take a break. I have to do something else to rejuvenate. No. No. Always there. Yeah. It has, yeah, it has to do with living. Life is sacred for all people. And you have to really respect it for all people. And uh, I just felt that those who don't should learn about it and start changing. And I believed in it so much. You know, I was right. I mean, you, were, you make it sound so simple. I need more pages out of your book, obviously. I know that you also revere the art of listening, which I think, I don't know, maybe that's coming back with the world of more podcasts, but I do feel like we struggle in our society uh, with talking less and listening more, but I know you believe in the opposite. Who taught you that skill of listening? I really think it comes from the, when I was a very young girl and we, we had the oil lamps and we used to listen to adults talking. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, this is where I learned how listening, how important it is and how much you learn and how much you enrich yourself if you can really hear. And I really mm -hmm. think that to hear is to see. Because, you know, if you had four or five children listening to one story, you had four or five films right there because it, mm -hmm. there was no images. The images, you, you make them up in your mind. So five kids, you have five different ways of seeing the image. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is why when I began to make films, I always start by doing just sound and just listening to all the people. Mm -hmm. I never come in there with a camera and a crew first. You know? And I'm glad about that because for me, the word is sacred. Mm -hmm. People have to have a place to speak and to, 
tell their own story and with respect. And uh, when you really hear and you really uh, understand it, you're learning so much. It's so rich. Gosh, I'm so excited to have your message through the children that you've worked with too. I know you're really close with a lot of children and going to classrooms and listening to their stories and telling stories to the kids. Can you maybe tell me any stories that have happened to you when you've gone into those classrooms? Anything that you're like, I reached a child today and that feels victorious? I never have this kind of feeling, but what I have is so rich because I'm watching and I'm listening to children. I'll give you one of my best examples. Like when I was in Norway house, I was there a lot, did a lot of work there. And at first I, I started going to the classroom and I would sit there and just watch. And there they have a school that's a model for all nations to follow. And in the classroom, uh, almost every classroom, they will have a child that has special needs. So I forget what room I was in. It might, the children looked to be maybe in grade three or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just sat at a desk there and just watching as the children came in. And I see this young man that looked to be perhaps tall, maybe 16, who was a young man with special needs. And he's coming in and he's not walking perfect like he has a certain uh, hard time mm-hmm. and I see this little girl who might have been a nine I'm not sure eight or nine she sees him so she gets up from her desk she goes over where he is and walking strangely she grabs his hand and she's walking with him to his desk and she makes sure he sat down then she left she went to her desk and she sat there and this was, it made me cry. It was a normal thing. Yeah. The take on the love and the responsibility of a child who, it was so, I never forgot it. So yeah. special, so beautiful that um, it was, nobody told her, go help somebody. She just did it yeah. on her own. It's uh, very special. I mean, you could have just been telling me a story about you because nobody told you to go and help the world. And look at you, look at all all the work that you're doing to help everyone. Well, I enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, you can tell, you can tell. And you once said that you have to find out what your gift is and then just do that every day. Yeah, yeah. I think I know that everybody has a gift. Is to go into yeah. your heart and find out what that is that, that you want to do and you'll do it well and it's part of you. It's for all people. And uh, I think uh, everything is possible. Yeah, when did you know that was your gift? Because you were a singer for so long, so you had that talent. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly your eyes opened up and thought, oh, I can do even more as a documentary maker. When did you know you had that gift? I don't know if I would uh, identify it like that. I just, it's every day I do what has to be done today. And uh, I don't think in advance, uh, I'll do this or I'll do that. I just, it just naturally happens. Yeah. Yeah, what's a, what's a typical day for you? How, do you? how do you go into your day? Just wake up in the morning and go, okay, this is what I'm gonna create today. This is where my energy is gonna go today. <laughs> 
I have so much to do <laughs> every day. There's yeah. no time for me to to analyze. You know, it's just no uh, kidding. Responsibilities and uh, it's very exciting, really, especially yeah. for me to see so many young people interested and taking on responsibilities to do all kinds of things, whether it's filmmaking or artwork or uh, wanting to help out and learn. So it's a very different time. Mm -hmm. The doors are open for everybody. So uh, I keep telling people, go into your heart as long as you find out what you would be good at and what you want to be. And you're honest and just Nobody's going to stop you. You can do it. That's what I think. And I know I could prove it many times. Yeah. Oh, you are proof of it. I mean, you've made 50 documentaries. You've been a singer. And looking at your career, if you looked back at one of the first documentaries that you made, was there anything you would have done differently? Like if you could go back in time and said, Alanis, I think you could have done this differently or taken this shot differently. No, no, no you're shaking your head. No. <laughs> For instance, when I went to Moose Factory, the first time I went, I think, was 1968. I'm not totally sure, but it's around then. And um, I went about three, four times. And I played with the children. I told them lots of stories. And they knew me as if I was a relation. Then when it felt like that, and then I told the children, now it's your turn. You tell me stories. And they were so comfortable. This is how I made Christmas at Moose Factory. I don't know if you saw that film. I have not yet, but I'm, I'm, I look forward oh, to you it. You should look at it. You'll see yeah. the sound of, of the children, which is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, you said somebody in your movie, The Honor of Marie Sinclair, that uh, Sal Day said something, if we aren't well, our children aren't well, and our community isn't well. Exactly, yeah. And it feels like you live by that. Yeah. I'm always looking for action. Like, what is something that you can do to make your community, your children, yourself well? There's lots of things you can do that all people can do. But uh, look in the mirror, question yourself. What do you think of our people? What do you think of our people on the street, vomiting or drunk or falling off? What do you think? Maybe if you start looking at them, meeting their eyes, which means... You live, you have a life, and that's sacred. And I respect you because you live. And give a good feeling of, of the fact that you are in existence to a person like that. You'll, you'll be surprised of what that does to the heart of that person instead of to be condescending and try to avoid them. That's one thing that everybody can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's an important, beautiful lesson. Did, is that something you discovered? Or is that somebody that, that maybe, a, maybe an elder taught you? No, it's my own experience. I made a film about people on the street here in uh, Montreal. It's called No Address. And, you know, I saw them every day. And I, this is how I figure when people constantly feel rejected and ugly and, you know, all the... Terrible stuff. They start looking at themselves and they believe it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not worthy of anything. It's very unfair and very bad to make anybody feel like that. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, it's to do the opposite. Yeah. I mean, you say it, you say it so simply and I think you're right. It is simple. It is simple. It's respect. It's caring for your community because your community will care for yourself. And you know, our people are so beautiful. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep telling them until I die <laughs> because they are. I always think about emails that you open up first or phone calls that you look forward to. What's the thing that is, is setting your heart on fire right now? Oh, really? I'm very busy. I, like, I was working on eight films at the same time <laughs> and we're doing pretty cool. well. And, you know, yeah. and uh, I get a lot of demands to do things and I mentor some young people uh, every now and then and you know, I'm very, very busy doing all kinds of things. But yeah. it's not it's not a labor and it's not a sacrifice. I enjoy every bit of it. Yeah. Do you think that you'll be like that forever? Do you think that you'll be filming till your last moment? It looks like it. <laughs> I don't know when my last <laughs> moment is going to be, but I'm 89 now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's what I feel very good about is the change that I have witnessed over the years. I mean, the change in people's attitude and their way to all of a sudden respect us, which never happened before. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they're discovering us and they want to know more about us. And there's a lot of respect now given to us that is very new and mm-hmm. it's, very special and uh, it means that students of this time are learning in a very different way about our nations about our people in this country when for so long people have been made so uncomfortable in their own country Mm -hmm. which now is changing that's what I feel is, it's not hope. It's much more profound than hope. And that's what, what's exciting for, for me. There's a telephone caller. You're getting, to, you're getting to be asked to do two more films now. You're high in demand. The calls are coming in, Alanis. Yeah. Do you remember noticing a change? Like what was, was, was there an incident that you went, oh, I see that there's change because you've been working towards change all your life. And sometimes yes. you'll see a little bit of change and sometimes it, it, you know, it's sort of like the flow of water probably sometimes goes out and sometimes in. When did you notice change? I'd say 10 years ago, it started to start to see changes. Five years ago, even more. And now it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, so encouraging. Yeah. We're fighting different battles than you had to fight when you were you were younger, huh? Mm. And so when you're not working on films, when you're not answering phone calls and emails and doing interviews, what do you like to do? What's your thing that you do to recharge? <laughs> I've never been asked that question. People look <laughs> at you and think that she just keeps going. She doesn't need to recharge. Well, I'm called on to do a lot of things every day. There's never a day where I do nothing. It doesn't exist. No. No. 
and uh, a lot of things that I must do. <laughs> yeah. And, and so do you go walking in Montreal? Do you go and sit and have a, have a cafe au lait somewhere? What do you do so that you can look after yourself? Because you're looking after the world so much. <laughs> Once in a while, I, I treat myself <laughs> something. You know. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you said you feel the responsibility to keep going. And I know, I know it doesn't feel like pressure. It feels like an honor, right? You, you said yourself, it's, it's exciting, but uh, do you wake up in the morning and think I've got so much to do today. There's no time for cafe au lait. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but I don't mind. Your most recent film from TIFF and you've been honored so many times, just in different, I mean, the Glenn Gould award and, and so many different awards that you've been recognized for your for your artistry, and then in TIFF, the honor to Senator Murray Sinclair. Was there a, an aspect of that movie that you are most proud of? You know, I never use the word proud, but I worry about that feeling that sh should I feel proud about myself, I might start thinking that I'm better than somebody else. I don't want that. So I never use that word. I never feel it like that. Because everybody has something good about themselves. There's good people everywhere. And I would never want to feel so proud of myself that I would think I'm better than so-and-so. I don't want to ever have those kinds of feelings. I feel that uh, I've been given, I'm, you know, I'm 89 years old. I can, I'm working. I can walk. I can do all kinds of things. My health is good. I'm so happy about that. I, I mean, I'm thankful to the creator, to, to life, for what I was, has been given. And I don't want to ask for more. I want to share it. And I want people to feel good. And yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a that's an interesting thing. Because I feel like uh, maybe my generation and maybe the generations younger than me are all in the world of what else? What else can I get for me? Do you see that in the younger generations? I don't want to talk for that. <laughs> I think it's yeah. wonderful. I think the... I'm, I've, I watch young people, they're so beautiful and the things they do and how they think and how they go about uh, telling a story or it's marvelous. Yeah. It's so different. Like you don't expect that they're thinking this way. It's very rich. And so I like to watch and hear them. Yeah. Are you still working with children and hearing their stories? I will always work with children, always. I think you might be a little bit magical. I think that the direction that the animals took you when you were younger was the exact right direction. Yeah. I've yeah. been uh, so rich in my sleeping for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And all kinds of animals, and they all look different than the ones we know. They all look slightly different. And yeah. uh, it's a very... Uh, kind of a spiritual expression from different animals, all life really, from water, from, you know, everything that lives has a spirit. And uh, I've had some fun stories uh, with animals. I have had some very, very hard stories that's happened to me in my sleep. Some, you know, were horrifying and a lot of them were incredible.
And what do you do with those stories in your sleep when they're horrifying? It's frightening. You, know, you can't breathe. You know, it's just uh, very difficult mm -hmm. each time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm starting a fan club. I'm starting an Alanise fan club. And we're, <laughs> uh, we're going to make um, pens and all these things just supporting you and your way of living. I think you've sorted it all out. At 89, you've figured it out. Children are so incredible. If you listen to children, you learn a lot of things. I was telling a friend the other day, this is a long time ago. I, I was working and uh, these friends of mine, like they had this little boy, his name was Axel. And uh, so one day I said, Axel, I take you, come to work with me. He was so excited. I think he, he might've been maybe seven. So at noon, I took him to a friend's house who had a swimming pool and to lunch. And, uh, you know, he could have a nice experience there. And she had a dog. And so he started playing with the dog. And I'm sitting on a rocking chair in the kitchen. And my friend is cooking and we're talking. And we can't hear ourselves talk because Axel, bang, opens the door. And the dog is following him and runs and goes out the front door, comes back, back door, and three or four times. And I was very annoyed. I said, Axel, I'm getting very angry at you. You're going to have to stop doing this. And he continued. I said, Axel, I'm telling you, I'm getting very angry. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I'm very, very angry. He said, no, you're not. I said, why do you say that? He says, because your eyes are laughing. <laughs> so what can I do? So just continue doing it. I never forgot that. This little boy taught me something. I can't really see anything making you angry. I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if you get angry, you get to work. Well, Sometimes I do get angry and I fight for, for something. But imagine a child telling me this. <laughs> I never, never yeah. forgot it. It's just... Uh... You've obviously got a beautiful connection with children, even from like in the 60s. Didn't you fight to have a pool uh, put it into your community? Well, it started... I was home playing with children, some games. And these two little girls came and they were crying. I said, what's wrong? They said, oh, we went swimming and we had our money to get in uh, next door, in the next door town. And they said, no savage here. You go away from here. And quickly at that time, I was singing a lot in those days and I could have made a fuss and embarrass the town and they would have to have our children. But I said, I don't want that. All this was coming fast. Why should we force our children to go somewhere where they're not liked and they're not wanted? So we have to get our own swimming pool. So I told the children, don't worry, we'll get our own pool. But the next day, the children, they say, where's the pool? I thought it would be easy, but it was very hard to do. But I did it. <laughs> you have to listen to the children. And then they, they say, well, where's our pool, Elodie's? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Four years after we got a pool. Wow. And it's still in good shape. It came in 1965. So how many years is that? 65 to now. It's over 40 years, I think. 
And they took care so well of this pool that uh, after a number of years, like a couple of years ago, that town who didn't allow our children there came because they don't have a pool anymore and asked the band council, could their children come to Odenak to swim? And they, of mm -hmm. course they said, yes, you know, children are always welcome. So yeah. it's interesting. I wonder how many children you affected by creating that pool and saying, you know, if, if you're not being invited to that pool, just make your own pool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you still sing? Sing? Oh, yes. I will always sing. Well, who are your favorite singers? Who is your favorite uh, music to sing? Lots of, you know, I love music and I love singing and I love listening. I love musicians. So special. Yeah. And it's a place where uh, people can really talk about their lives. They can make a difference. They can make people discover love <laughs> and how that is important for all people to tell children how important they are. You hug them. This was unknown when I was a child. And uh, it's so, so special. Even adults need to be told that they're special and need to be hugged as well, you yes. know? Yes. Yeah. Like what you're saying. Yeah. I don't want to keep you. I know you probably have six more interviews and 12 more films <laughs> to make. So I want to wrap it up, but I'm so grateful for this time with you. And you make all the complications of life seem really irrelevant when you say things like, just respect, just listen, yeah. just treat people well. It makes complete sense to me. Do you have any questions for me? Sometimes we turn the table and we let the guest ask me a question. How are you feeling about yourself? Oh, wow. Normally, if somebody said that to me, I'd say, oh, I'm fine. But because you're saying that to me, I have to really give it some, some thinking. I think I'm doing the best I can. I think I'm not always successful in, in living the way you're suggesting and I keep trying. I think I try to give people respect and kindness and joy. I think my world is much more noisier. It feels like my world is noisier than yours and I could quiet things down a bit. You have to uh, realize that you are very important because you have a life. And what you can do sometimes just to smile to someone who needs attention, just a little attention. And you know and you realize it that perhaps you talk to somebody on the street or whatever. When you go to bed at night, you feel good about it. You smile at somebody or it doesn't need to be big. Just give respect of that life. Mm -hmm. yeah and we can all do it more next time I do yeah. that I'll smile at somebody and I'll say Alonisa Bapsuin told me to do that <laughs> good <laughs> you're a gift to my heart and you're a gift to our community I'm really grateful well I have been given so much in my life although I had a very hard life for a long time but still 
there was always somebody who protected me or helped me in the worst, mm. worst time. So there's good people everywhere. doesn't matter where you are. What do you want people to remember you for? I don't think that way. I just, uh, my main uh, aim is really make sure that children are taken care of, that they're allowed to be, that they receive love, that they receive respect, children of any nations. And uh, listen to children, to uh, allow them to be so they can grow and do great things instead of picking on children and making laws and don't do this, don't go there, don't do that, don't sit like that, constantly don't, don't, don't. It's nice to just watch them do what they feel like and how they feel like it. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you haven't done yet in your lifetime you still want to do? Well, everybody's picking on me because I'm supposed to be writing a book (laughs) of my life. And, uh, you know, I don't know when, but it has to happen. I have to do it myself. Yeah, nobody can write the story of your life better than you, I bet. No. So we'll see. If you could have gone back in time and talked to the little girl that talked to animals, what advice would you have given her? It was terrible time, you know, like that. It was a very frightening time. But as I said before, when I was sleeping, I had a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, I think it was protection. I think I was protected. Mm-hmm in the most yeah. dangerous time. Yeah, you're, it seems like your imagination and, and that element of magic protected you. I start fighting very early, always thinking, this is wrong, I'm gonna fight for this. It's gonna be like, that. and I fought like crazy. And you can't give up when you see something is wrong, you have to make it right because you're disturbing and bring, bringing sickness to human beings. You have to fight for that. And you can't give up. You just fight until it's there. That's what I've done all my life. And I've proved that everything is possible. I, I don't always believe people when they say that, but you, I absolutely believe. I have a feeling, Elanise, that I don't see your muscles, but if you showed me your muscles, you would be very strong. Like it feels... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm not going to show you my muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I've so enjoyed speaking to you. I know you have a million things to do this afternoon, and I'm so grateful to have time with you and to share your voice and your stories. And thank you, Eleni. Thank Eleni's. you very much. À la prochaine fois. Okay. That's the sound that Winnie and I make after we've recorded an amazing interview. We just look at each other and go, and then really speechless. So I was left speechless after both my discussions with Alanis, and I am so, so thankful that she took the time out of her immensely busy life, not once, but twice for us. And what a, just a beautiful artist. You know, not only does she create art for everybody, but she creates some sort of community just by living the way she lives 
by interacting with the way that she interacts with people like me or with people randomly and that's an extraordinary gift. Now I have one last clip, one last clip from the red carpet and it has to deal with the actions we can take because I think that's so important. You know, with Firecrack Department, we're all about actions. So it's one thing being inspired. Oh, I was so inspired by Naomi's chat with Alanis. But now what can we do? What can we do to take action, right? Okay, well, here's how. Yeah, I think first, the first thing I would say is no competition and no hate. Because if, you, if you're happy for someone else that's doing well and is doing good things and be happy for that. Don't compete and say, I wish it was me. Or try to say, like, oh, we hear that language all the time. Oh yeah, but I did this. That's not the point. I think it's to be happy for some someone that is doing something great. Don't think of yourself that, oh, you could have done better or you've done as much. That's not the point. It's to appreciate and to love and be happy because this person is doing for a lot of people. And that's how we all get better. And that's how we all have to be happy about each other. So for the latest updates for Alanis, follow the National Film Board of Canada on Twitter at NFB and on Instagram at ONF underscore NFB. Reminder about retrospective, the children have to hear another story. Alanis Obamsawin will be presented at the House der Kulturen der Welt in Berlin in conjunction with the publication LifeWork Alanis Abomswin from January 23rd to April 18th, 2022. I have to do another shout out to our 2021 TIFF virtual red carpet team. That was co-producer Julie Strader, follow her at Raw Sugar, technical producer and fantastic Firecracker Department alum, Anna Gustafson, and follow her at Goose Gustafson, and head producer, and the one and only, one of our actioneers, and one of the important engines that push Firecracker Department forward, the Triple W, because there's always a wonderful in there, wonderful Winnie Wong. Now stay tuned for next week's episode with Toronto-based actor and professional dancer, Jasmine Renee Thomas, and... Yeah, you may recognize Jasmine from her starring role as Stacy in Disney Zombies 1 and 2 and upcoming 3. I had the best chat with Jasmine. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let us know what resonated with you from this episode on Instagram or Twitter at FirecrackerDPT or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage other folks to listen to these chats. We want to hear from you. We really do. And we love all the comments. I love hearing the quotes that resonate for you and what you're taking away from my chats. Head over to our website at firecrackerdepartment.com and subscribe to our newsletter to have the inside track on upcoming events, mentorship workshops, script readings, oh, we got our weekly brunches, we got our weekly writing gym at the birth sessions, we've got something for everybody. Thank you so much again and again for being part of this important journey. As I always say, this firecracker department table has a lot of leaves and there's always chairs for you, so just pull a chair up and join us. It makes it better. It really, really does. It makes it better that you're here. I'm Naomi, and we're going to see you next time on Firecracker Department. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right. She's a triple W. 
The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music, and thanks to you, yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there, and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. Bye.